Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. So let's get after it. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to Primetime. Congress has finally heard from someone who was on that damning phone call between the U.S. president and Ukraine's president. We're getting new word on what he disclosed. But is there any real question remaining about what happened here? We're going to ask an impeachment player and our investigators on another big night. What do you say? Let's get after it. All right. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman is the man of the moment. Who is he? He's National Security Council's top Ukraine expert. He's been in service to this country for 20 years. He's a veteran, a lieutenant colonel in the army. He did 10 hours of duty today before Republicans and Democrats. And according to our sources, he told lawmakers the White House rough transcript of the call was mostly accurate. Good. And he said he was concerned that the president should not be asking a foreign power to investigate a U.S. citizen. Also turns out one person he raised his concerns with was his twin brother. This guy, Vindman, has a twin brother who works at the NSC's ethics office. We also know from his opening statement, he also reported the concerns to the NSC's lead counsel. Now, here's what we know here. His testimony has to matter a lot, if for no other reason than this president and his proxies have been savaging Vindman, questioning his patriotism and his loyalty. The GOPers who are desperate for more power in this process spent a bunch of their time today with Vindman asking if he knows who the whistleblower is. Who needs the whistleblower except as a distraction? We have the call. We have people who were on the call and knew about the call. It is as ugly as Friedman suggested to Anderson. So where does Vindman put us in the march to impeachment? Let's bring in our top investigators, former top brass at the FBI, McCabe and Baker. Sounds like a law firm, but not tonight. (laughs) All right, so... Let's try and keep you guys clear of the politics here. Uh, they're going after Vindman because he matters. They're, they're quiet when they're not worried about uh, something. We've talked about this from the beginning. When will they come at Volcker? Sondland, they're not going to come over because he gave him a, uh, a cover story. So, Jim, I'll start with you. How does Vindman fit in to the matrix of uh, what we need to see on an impeachment march? Well, he, I'm, I'm thinking of the evidence now in a, as a series of concentric circles, and he is, a, you know, a little bit out from the center, but he's right near the center. At the center, as you were saying, we already have the transcript. We already have the admission by the, the focus of the investigation, the president. He's admitted that he made these statements. He, he's not hiding from it. And he you know, went on the White House lawn and made other statements uh, similar with uh, respect to China. And so the core allegation is there for all to see. What uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vidman and other witnesses are adding is context. They're adding how people thought about it at the time. They're adding their sense 
uh, as professionals working on this, uh, in this area directly, that this was wrong, that this was improper, and importantly, uh, as, uh, as uh, the colonel testified, it was contrary to the national security interests of the United States because it was going to damage the relationship with Ukraine and make re- Ukraine a, a political football in domestic politics, and that's bad for the national security. So he's, he's adding context, he's adding uh, 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 additional detail, gotcha. but the core allegation is there. So I should have heard that concentric circles thing before. It really helped me with what we were trying to figure out, make more sense on the wall. Uh, Andrew, I don't know if you can see it where you are, but show people the wall, what we put together here. Would you please? Thank you. So we have these things broken into four facts uh, right now, five facts, okay? Uh, That this was a political situation, that the money and meeting were withheld, right? That's your quid pro quo. That the president knew about it and was directing it. It was more than one call. Uh, that people were worried about it, just to kind of give the different layers of what Jim is calling concentric circles. So, Vinman, uh, can you see this, Andrew, where you are? Can you see what yeah, I'm looking can, at? Okay. I can see that, Chris. So I'm just putting it in terms of icons. Uh, the number of people who are players in this, the phone with the text is what it suggests. It's the text that Volcker gave us about the dialogues. Uh, the phone calls, obviously, the phone call between the two presidents. And TV here is what we've heard from the president's mouth himself himself, or from Mulvaney himself. There's Mick Mulvaney there, the guy with like five different jobs in the White House. So, Andrew, uh, why should it matter to people that we have this many layers of different people who are making these different points? So, Chris, I'm going to simplify it for you. Please. One witness who was there, who heard things directly, who was involved in the events is really good for a case. Two witnesses is even better. Three witnesses is incredible. And just keep going on and on because that's what we have here. Each one of the witnesses that's come in has provided some key piece of testimony that confirms the central allegation. And that allegation is ultimately in its most basic form that the president used his office to benefit himself. He used his powers of foreign relations to gather dirt on a political opponent. And that is improper. The job of the Democrats, of the folks who are pushing the impeachment here, is not to prove a legal case. They're not trying to prove elements of an offense in the way that we would in federal court. They are simply trying to make a convincing Mm -hmm. argument. So having all those witnesses that you've laid out on the board there just helps them make that argument in a more convincing way each time someone else comes in and tells the same story. Now, Jim, do we need the whistleblower anymore? I don't think so. I mean, I I don't think we've needed the whistleblower, honestly, since the president admitted to the core allegation that that uh, the whistleblower made about the about what was said on the call. As soon as the president released that, uh, that was it. I've been thinking about, you know, why did they release that transcript so quickly? Why did he make those admissions? And one of the things I've been thinking is that, you know, he's trying to normalize the behavior. He put it out so quickly that there wasn't really a buildup of everybody looking forward and fighting about it and making it a big thing. He just got it out there and he's tried to normalize this behavior to convince, uh, ultimately, the American people that this is okay, this is normal, this is what people do, well, and, this is what politicians do. And just as important, it's what's being done to him. This guy, Vindman, shady. You know, he's not really American. Yeah. He only came here when he's three. He's from Ukraine, you know. And Volker, you know, he's a McCain guy. 
You know, Sondland, him you can trust. He's one of ours. But these others, they're deep state. And that's why the whistleblower matters, Andrew, because it's shady. And who is he and what are they and what's going on? And the process is shady and everybody's out to get me. The president works this very well to great effect. And everybody's got to be very aware of it. Now, there's another layer to Vindman. Uh, And yes, I know The New York Times has reporting, Andrew, that he had supposedly drafted a memo that sought to talk about the aid But he didn't put it in his opening statement. And we were only told that he would say that Sondland was talking about withholding the meeting, which would still qualify as a quid in this quid pro quo, non-necessary analysis. But I'm not giving him the benefit of The New York Times. He can't connect the aid to being withheld in exchange for the investigations. So the argument would be, Andrew, you still have nothing. Well, I don't know. It's that I, I don't know that we have nothing. I think what you have here, if you think about this in terms of like a RICO prosecution, right? You have to collect predicate acts to form the basis of a RICO prosecution. So the the request for assistance in return for the White House meeting is one predicate act, and the and the request for assistance in return for the release of the aid is a separate predicate act. So Vindman might have good information about. Uh, the sort of pressure that was being placed on the Ukrainians uh, to get their meeting that they wanted at the White House. He might not have as good of information about the withholding of the aid, but that's okay because you have other witnesses that provide that testimony for you. Jim, the argument that, listen, there are real questions about ethics, if not legal impropriety, involving the former VP and his son. Uh, The president has a duty to look into these kinds of things. It's not wrong for him to want to root out corruption. And this was not about politics because he wasn't even really running when this happened, right? He was the VP. And we really weren't even made aware of what was going on when this phone call happened. So it wasn't in the political dialogue. So for the president, it was just a matter of public interest. That argument's being made more and more. What's its saleability to you? It's baloney. The the way it works in America under the rule of law, is if somebody thinks that something has been done that's illegal, you refer that to the appropriate uh, investigative authorities. Even the president? Yes, refer to the FBI. uh, Task the attorney general to delegate it to the FBI and ask them to investigate it. That's what should have been done, not this this ridiculous uh, trying to get a foreign government to investigate an American citizen to help the president stay in office. That's an abuse of power. It should be unacceptable to every American. And I think, frankly... To, to my Republican friends and, and colleagues, I think they know that. They know that in their heart that this is unacceptable. Well, they may know it in their heart, but it's not coming but out of their head. Th- Andrew, they need to, it needs to come out of their mouth. They need to yeah. speak up. Now's the time. I'm with Now's you on the that. time. Well, they've got some time, but once we get into these hearings, then it's going to be crunch time for them. Andrew, you can, uh, f- last word to you, but also yeah. give us a sense of this. What remaining question is there, not for you, but in the, in the realm of just reasonable thought? In terms of what happened here and whether it was wrong, is there anything remaining that needs to be known? Well, I'm not sure that there, I mean, we already know so much about the facts, about what actually happened, about we have solid pieces of evidence to back that up. The question that remains is how individuals think about this activity. At the end of the day, um, if you think that, the, you know, the Democrats need to put on a case to convince people that this is not the way a president should conduct himself in office, that he is so he has so diverged from from his oath and from his responsibilities that he should be impeached. There is a opposite argument to that, which says, I understand what he did. I wouldn't have done it myself. 
I don't approve of it, but we are close to an election and I think the American people should decide. That is what you will likely hear from many members of the Senate and it is not an unreasonable argument. So it's a, it's a range that every person, every House member, every senator, and every person in this country should think about where they fall out on that range of conduct. Well, clearly, right now, this is only playing in heavy fashion to the Democratic Party. The linking thought for the Democrats would be the hardest one to make. If you don't stop this president now, he will continue to do this and worse. Very hard case to make because it's completely speculative. Andrew, Jim, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Baker and McCabe. All right. The testimonies are corroborating what we knew as obvious from the call. Something wrong happened. How wrong? All right, let's do this. Another attempt at the wall. We're going to go back and connect the facts of what we know and the questions that remain. Next. There's a lot of noise, and that calls for poise, and we get our calm from the facts. Here are five things that we know for sure. The president of the United States used the power of his office to get investigations of political rivals full stop. He didn't succeed. It doesn't make the ask okay. Lieutenant Colonel Vindman is only the latest to point out that investigating Biden and his son had nothing to do with national security. How else do we know? The texts from Volcker, testimony, the transcript of the call itself, television interviews, including on this show. And by the way, you know who the real whistleblower is here? Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani was everywhere and without portfolio, pushing an agenda that he made clear here and elsewhere. I want the DNC. I want the Bidens. I'm working for the president. Oh, and by the way, I'm also working with these other guys who are under indictment for moving Russian money into elections. We haven't even found out about that part of the story yet. But Rudy was all over this and with malignant cause and everybody knew it. So you don't need the whistleblower. You do need Vindman, though, and Volcker and Taylor, and even Sondland, okay? Because none has ever named a corruption case in Ukraine other than what this president saw as politically beneficial. So the idea of just rooting out corruption is hollow. The vitally important White House meeting and congressionally approved funding were withheld explicitly to get a statement this president could use to go after his opponents. Every person whose testimony that we have seen spoke of the value of those two things to the Ukrainians. A point President Zelensky himself made clear, and with good reason. Of course it mattered to them. That's why it was used as leverage. Something the White House chief of staff openly admitted. Absolutely. No question about that. Um, But that's it. And that's why we held up the money. We do that all the time with foreign policy. And then he, at the direction of people in this White House, lied to your face and said he didn't say that and tried to blame it on us. Surprised he didn't blame it on the whistleblower. That guy seems to be a repository for everything else they can't explain. Taylor put this directly at the feet of this president. Oh, but he was on, on the call. It's all hearsay. By the way, a lot of intelligence work is hearsay. So how do they deal with Vinland, one of at least eight people we know who heard the actual call? 
Volker and Sondland testified they were in direct contact with the president. When nothing else got what he wanted, this president went on TV and said this to your face. I would say that President Zelensky, if it were me, I would recommend that they start an investigation into the Bidens. And how many times have you heard Republicans say, yeah, he never asked for an uh, investigation of the Bidens. He didn't really want one. And it's not just that one cell call, because obviously you just heard the president there on TV in all his glory. Witness after witness lays out a systematic effort. Again, think Rudy Giuliani and Mr. Taylor asked by our secretary of state, the United States secretary of state, to do the job, saying there were parallel paths of dealing with Ukraine, Rudy and the ordinary one. That includes a July 10th White House meeting that went so badly The national security advisor had to shut it down, which brings us to this point, a black screen. (laughs) Just let you know how dark all this is. Trump's own people thought this was wrong and said so repeatedly, not to me, not in some article, to each other out of concern. Vinland followed the chain of command. Bolton, Taylor spoke up directly to Sondland. Fiona Hill twice went to White House lawyers. They're not leakers, they're Americans. We now have more than a dozen of the president's own people who refuse to follow official policy of non-cooperation. Why? Why would they do it? So far, the only outlier to the story that they've presented here is the multi-million dollar donor turned ambassador, Sondland. He's the only one who gives this president protection. Why isn't this scrutiny on him for Republicans? A story, not one call, text messages, notes, on-camera admissions. What I laid out as five facts are just that. The question is, how bad is it? Is it worthy of removal? Why do we keep arguing about what happened when it's clear? So let's keep following the facts with someone who heard directly from the Lieutenant Colonel Vinman today, a prominent Republican in the House. Proud to have him on the show. Let's get his assessment next. How many times do you have to hear, read and see people in the Trump orbit and relevant positions tell you that this president said and wanted what you think he said and wanted from the phone call? Give me the Bidens, give me the DNC, and then the message that echoed from all these different points of contact. That's how Ukraine, you get what you want. So let's see where the GOP mindset is uh, on the facts after today and listening to Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, as well as points about unfair process and a boogeyman whistleblower. Utah Republican Chris Stewart, Congressman, good to have you back on the show. Thanks. It's an important day. What'd you think of Vinman? Well, I got to tell you first, I'm not the GOP mindset. I'm just one guy, right? Uh, And uh, appreciate the chance to be with you, Chris. I got to correct one thing if I could real quick. At the top of the show, uh, you and some others were saying that those of us in the GOP were trying to identify and reveal who the... Who the, the, uh, the, who the whistleblower was, and that's just simply not true. I don't care at all who the whistleblower Nobody is. Nobody asked Vinman if he knew who the whistleblower was? Uh, absolutely not. Uh, really? We, yeah, In the whole not. hearing, nobody from the Republican side ever asked Vinman we, if he we knew were, who the whistleblower we was. We asked him many times who he had discussed his concerns with, and I think uh, some of our Democratic colleagues assumed that we were trying to surmise from that who the whistleblower was. 
just not true. Again, we don't care who the whistleblower is. I don't care if he wants to ring. Well, you may anonymous. not care, but Congressman, you know Republicans care. They bring it up on this show all the time. No, I think who is most it? Why is he being protected? Why don't we hear from him? No, no, uh, that, that, that's the key, though, Chris, is uh, the thing I care about is I want to hear from him. I think we can protect his identity. And if he wants to remain anonymous, I'm perfectly but why okay do we with need that. him at but this point? I just, well, and that's a good point, actually. Why do we need any of these witnesses? Because you and I, as I think you pointed out previously, you and I have all of the information. We have the transcript of the phone call. Every American can read it, and they can make their own judgment from that. Transcript's not enough. Well, uh, that, that depends. I mean, that's the essence of the case here. Now, the, you, well, you don't know about, the motivations. You don't, you don't know why he was asking for the Bidens and what was the exchange and how long had this been going on and how many people were trying to create pressure for this president to create this outcome. That all matters in terms of abuse of power. Well, at the end of the day, though, Chris, it comes down to the president saying one sentence in one phone call. But, but look, I'll concede there I, are others. There I don't are, agree with uh, you on wait, that, wait, Congressman, wait. but continue. And I'd love to come on your show because you and I can have a conversation at the end of the day, agree to disagree on some things. But look, many of these individuals come in. And here's a good question for you, Chris. Do you know anything really of substance now that you didn't know six weeks ago? Yes. Because almost all of these witnesses come in and they say the same thing. And they tell us like the colonel did today. Well, yes, I listened to the phone call. Here are my concerns. But at the end of the day, it's just his opinion. Just like we hear from others, it's their opinion on this. And you ask these witnesses, did you feel like there was, you were witnessing a crime? Every single one of them have said, no, I didn't think this was criminal, including this but witness But that's not today. the bar for us. I don't see, and I know you don't either, um, Congressman, you don't believe that felony or fine is the standard for that, good governance. You're, you're that's not how you conduct yourself. You're exactly right, because our founding fathers said it had to be a high crime. They had to be an abuse of power by a person in a position of public trust. And what I want to know is, who knew what they were doing here? Why were they doing it? To me, it seems very clear on the facts. I needed to hear from all these people. I need to really hear from them, not just in depositions. I don't disrespect the process. You guys do it that way. But when they're hearings, I want to hear it because if we're talking about removing a president from office, and that's the goal of impeachment, I need to know what kind of abuse of power it was. How do I find out without hearing the people oh who are gosh, part of the Chris, process? Chris, but you're making the point that many of us have objected to from the very beginning. Here's the truth. You haven't heard a single word of this. You haven't heard I never a heard single... it during the Starr investigation. We never but, heard it during Chris, the grand jury say, of Jaworski and Nixon. You can't say that you've heard from these witnesses. You haven't. I know, and but I just right. saw their opening statements in the text. You That's a lot. You can't impeach uh, no, Chris, it's 15 minutes out of what are sometimes six, seven and eight hours. You can't impeach a president in secret. And look, let me ask you this. I don't think we should. Let, I think wait, you're right. Me, I think that would be terrible. Let me ask you this. If you do you think that if these hearings, and by the way, there's not a word of these hearings that is classified. We begin every single hearing by saying or these uh, depositions by saying this is an, you cannot discuss anything classified in here. So there's no secrecy required of all because of classified information. And do you think that if these were going to convince the American people to remove this president, that they would not be in open? Because I promise you they would. There's well, a reason I, why I they're know. conducting I mean, these in secret. I mean, they were done. The depositions with Henry Hyde were done in secret also. And then you had open formal hearings on Clinton. And we're expecting to have that here. What I want to know from you, because you were there today and you say that this is just more confirmation of what you gleaned from the call. 
Um, do you really believe that Mr. Vinman, uh, I'm sorry, not Mr., that uh, LTC Vinman is betraying the American people by testifying? Oh, of course not. Oh, oh because not. I have in here that you said on no, Fox last week, these people in the State Department are not betraying the president. They're betraying the people uh, and the trust and the Constitution, which has sustained us for more than 200 yeah, years. Yeah, look, look, that's just nonsense. What I said was it had nothing to do with them testifying. I said, if you have some of these individuals who are undermining the president, if you've got people in the administration in, in the, whatever agency, whether it's in state or CIA or, or the military, if you have any one of these agencies that are undermining the president, that is betraying the American people. But do you think that Vindman, Volcker, Taylor, or Sondland fall really into that category? I want to be really clear on this because the media has just botched this. I never... And I would not say that for them to appear is betraying their country. I was talking about if they were undermining the president by their actions, which had nothing at all to do with them appearing before a committee. I want them to appear before a committee. Do you think the president is right to subpoena them if necessary? Do you you, uh, want to take this opportunity to call out the president for questioning uh, the patriotism and the loyalty of Colonel Vindman? And his proxies who well, are I, accusing him of espionage? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I'm unaware of what the president has said Want about me to show you his tweet? Or, he calls know, him but, a never Trumper, which I don't even think it came up in the hearing today. You yeah. don't have any reason to believe that he's a partisan against the president, do you? Yeah, I, I really don't. I don't think this, his politics, as you, you said, think that's I don't a good, think You think that's today. the right thing to say but, about but a colonel look, who gave 20 years of his life to Chris, service Chris, in the country? Chris, I'm not, I'm not here to defend the president. I'm not here to justify everything he tweets. Oh, my gosh. If I did that, you and I would be here, you know, very often. Uh, for I invite you all the time, day. Congressman. Uh, well, I, I know, but I'm just saying, look, it's not my job to defend the president or his tweets. My job is just to find out the truth and to try to come on your show and other shows. And but how at this point, with what we understand, can you not see that something was done here that was wrong? I'm not saying it's worthy of impeachment or removal. I'm just saying wrong in as you wouldn't have done it. Well, okay. help me understand what specifically do you think was wrong? And I'll reply. Asking a foreign power to investigate a political opponent. Oh, my gosh. Chris, we do that all the time. Really? Attorney when? General Barr is doing it right now. Who, he's working who is with he the Italians. He's asking he's, to investigate a political opponent of his. They are investigating the genesis, the beginning of the FISA warrant of the 2016 uh, election. That's not the same thing as well, this. But it's exactly what you're saying. They are in Italy. They're working with Australia. That's the Justice Department, Congressman. Come on, give me a uh, break but, here. But you, I'm saying, no, when have no. you ever heard of a president saying to another country, oh, do Chris, me a favor, get some dirt on who's going to run against me? Chris, it makes no difference if the president says and asks those questions or if he does through his attorney general. It, it is exactly the same difference, thing. Congressman. Oh, he yeah. asked for Biden. He could have gone to the DOJ. He could have gone to okay, the so, FBI. So he if, didn't if, have to have Rudy Giuliani running around in the shadow attorney, operation. So if Attorney General Barr had asked these questions, you'd be okay with that? It depends why he was doing it. If he was doing it because the president told him to get dirt on Biden, he'd be in the same suit. Or because if the president said, I want to understand before we give these guys $400 million, a country that is steeped in corruption for generations, I want to understand where they are and their deposition, their, the new attitude. With all the corruption that's gone on in Ukraine, he's asked them about two things, the DNC and the Bidens. Congressman Chris Stewart, though, yeah. I appreciate you pushing back and making the case. You are always welcome. Thank you, sir. Be well. All right, ahead. Celebrity turned political activist working on turning out the vote for the next election. And now a big new distinction for Alyssa Milano. 
What is it? Find out next. Actress and activist Alyssa Milano has not been shy about calling for impeachment proceedings against the president. She's also the host of the Sorry Not Sorry podcast. And guess what? Big new book. Alyssa Milano, welcome back to primetime. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I must step out of the realm of objectivity for a second to say I am so proud of you for being a New York Times bestseller. I love what the book and Hope Roberts are about. I love who you're targeting. Uh, It is great, and I want to talk to you about it. But before we get to you trying to save the world, let's talk about what has the world in crisis politically here at home. Uh, Do you like or are you satisfied as a Democrat with how Democrats are proceeding uh, down the avenue of potential impeachment of this president? Yes and no. I mean, I think like most Democrats that are um, that have the privilege to be concerned about what this president has done, um, you know, I'm very impatient. I I wanted this vote to happen last week. Uh, But for me, I can totally rationalize and really objectively look at how brilliant the Democrats have handled the situation up to to now with a very steadfast strategy. And what I mean by that is everything has uh, progressed in a way that it has given the American people time to digest uh, what is going to happen um, as far as this this impeachment hearing. Uh, so so I'm satisfied and yet I'm very anxious to to get these open hearings underway so that we, the American people, can really see what's going on. Well, as a journalist, I join you in that. It would be great for this all to be in the open so that the politics of process uh, could go away. But if we look down the road, And if everything stands as we understand it now, because some of these key witnesses have put out these statements before they went there. So while we haven't seen the depositions, we see what the main thrust is. There is no question about what the president did vis-a-vis Ukraine, uh, what was done that is arguably wrong, arguably an abuse of power. Here's the problem. We do not see Republicans even open to that as a possibility. Uh, And we're not hearing anything from Republicans in the Senate. Not really. So if there is but maybe a remote chance of removal, is impeachment still the right course of action? I think so. Absolutely. I think as far as we have to protect the Constitution and this president was playing partisan politics with military aid. Um, So I I think that we have to hold him accountable. And I also want to remind people that the Mueller report did, in fact, show 10 counts of obstruction of justice, which is also an impeachable offense. So I I think that we have to really um, as as unfortunate as this timing is, is it ever really the right time politically to impeach a president? Um, It's not about removing him from office. It's really about uh, not only seeing uh, what else is there um, so that the American people are aware. It's about protecting the Constitution. But it's, you know, it's also about due process, which the president keeps screaming about that, that, you know, which is ridiculous that there's been no due process. But President Trump, that's actually what impeachment is. It is due process. Uh, Obviously, the Me Too movement, very important to you, very important in our country. Uh, Congresswoman uh, Katie Hill decided to resign uh, once there was an ethics investigation announced into her alleged 
uh, inappropriate or whatever you want to call it relationship with a staffer. She denied that it was a congressional staffer. Was the resignation the right move? And what does it mean for the Me Too movement? I don't feel it was the right move. I feel that there is incredible hypocrisy that goes on. And if Katie Hill were a man who was in a consensual relationship with a uh, another man and a woman, that this would be a very different outcome. I mean, we, there's indicted uh, criminals in in Congress on the Republican side, people like Duncan Hunter, who still have a seat. And yet we have... Uh, accepted a resignation from a really, really good congresswoman, a really bright woman for what she does in her private time that was consensual. Um, so I, I don't feel it, it was uh, fair. And um, I really, I really appreciate Katie Hill and and where she was coming from in resigning. But I do wish that she would have fought a little harder. I would have fought by her side. Hmm. That would have been uh, it's interesting how you see the politics of gender at play there. And well, but, you know, once the pressure is on you and once they're beating the drum that you have to go, uh, it gets very difficult, man or woman, apparently, uh, to stay the course. But I want to uh, ask you about that. So thank you. Now, the big new headline in your life, Hope Roberts. She's young. She's smart. <laughs> she's fighting against the boys in middle school, hogging up all the attention and taking too much time in science club. She gets stuck with the bad part of the report. But on she must persevere. Why did you do this book? I know you have young kids. What do you want as a message for them and for others? I do have young kids. And the thing that they have taught me is that children have this innate, beautiful sensibility to want to make a difference, to want to help. They have this moral compass that allows them to uh, know the difference between right and wrong. And somewhere along the way, I think we as adults, because we don't cultivate that innate goodness, um, they lose sight of that wanting to help and wanting to to give back to their community. And so Hope Roberts is a little girl who who leads with her heart um, and she wants to change the world, but she has to get through middle school first. And I'm just so proud of the book. And it's a four book series. So there'll be three more books. And I'm, I'm just really, really proud. And, you know, hopefully I just want to encourage more people to uh, to be humanitarians and to go out there and 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 fight for what mm -hmm. they know is right. And I think we need to start doing that at a younger age. Um, and middle school is hard for kids anyway. So I think this was the right the right the right time to set it for her. No feeling about, you know, having a name be like Hope Ranzoni or, you know, Hope Abertzoni or something like that, you know, to try to, you know, bring, bring a little bit more Italian flavor to that. Well, Roberts, beautiful name, Hope Roberts, but it's not like, you know, Robert Selly or something like that, you know? <laughs> no, um, although that would have made my grandmother proud. Yes, it would My grandmother and you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very formidable pair right there, I'll tell you. Hey, Alyssa Milano, Good for you. I'm congratulating you on the success, trying to help kids understand that they Thank can you. make a big difference. We can't get that message out enough. And always a pleasure to have you on primetime. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. Milano, actor, activist, and now New York Times bestseller. Good for her. All right. In the closing argument, we have to look at what they're doing to bring down the witnesses in impeachment going after a decorated army officer's patriotism? Questioning him, why? Because he didn't swear allegiance to the president? What happened to America first? The argument about what's happening all around us in this, next.
America first, says this president. Here he is, hugging a flag. Well, whatever that is and his slogan, whatever they're about, his oath to you is all that matters. This man put his hand to God that he would do to the best of his ability what he could to put the country first. Has he kept that oath? Refuses to sever ties with his properties. He's used more tax dollars than ever to support golf trips and chaperone his adult kids on vacations and business trips. His businesses have raked in nearly $20 million from Trump's campaign committees and other federal political committees. Hell, he even planned to spend your tax dollars to hold the G7 at his Doral Club until the outcry, even from allies, grew too loud. But the real argument against his honoring his oath isn't just his helping himself financially. It's his insistence on destroying anything and anyone who opposes him. He must always be first. Intel agencies say Russia interfered in the election. They're corrupt. And he'll even side with Putin on the world stage in Helsinki against America. FBI is looking at his campaign. Deep state. His own staff testify to his corrupt actions. Bad bureaucrats. But now, when things are hardest for him, we're seeing his worst sense of self-protection. Supposedly, according to the corrupt media, the Ukraine call concerned today's never-Trumper witness. You see, there is no evidence the colonel is a never-Trumper. He is, however, a decorated war veteran with shrapnel still in his body from being hit by a roadside bomb in Iraq. But because of how damning the testimony may be from Colonel Vindman, not that the facts aren't already clear, he's got to go down. And now we hear another layer of this. It's not just that he's a never-Trumper. He's one of them. He's not us. Vindman is a Jewish refugee who fled Ukraine with his family when he was three years old. So, you know, you know what? Look what he went on to achieve. He is the definition of American success. But in Trump world, if you're not for Trump, you're suspicious. The man at the top's not suspicious, even though he's doing the one suspicious things. But to help this president, he enlists everything he can. So here comes the helpful, hateful people. Here we have a U.S. national security official who is advising Ukraine while working inside the White House, apparently against the president's interest. And usually they spoke in English. Isn't that kind of an interesting angle on this story? I find that astounding. And, you know, some people might call that espionage. Espionage? Who, what some people would call it that? Why is Dershowitz smiling at that kind of thing with what he's supposed to represent? This is anathema to what his cause was supposed to be about. Then we have former Congressman Sean Duffy wondering something similar aloud on CNN today, repeatedly referring to the colonel's affinity for his homeland. Look, I know Duffy. Duffy is better than that, and he should show it. Our president is not. He says he loves the troops. He says, I gave you a raise when no one else did. That's a lie. They got raises every year. Yeah, he gave them a raise. That's good. He should do a hell of a lot more from them, and he should do none of this. And let's not forget where this all began for this president in terms of who has to lose when he has to win. Remember him saying this about Senator John McCain. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war Five hero. and a half years. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you.
That's who he is. That's how he feels. Okay? He doesn't hate to tell you. He loves to tell you. He needs to tell you. And you need to see it for what it is. This president cannot fight the facts in this situation, and neither can his friends. What he did asking Ukraine to investigate the Bidens and the DNC was wrong, arguably illegal, obviously abusive of his power. The only real questions that remain are what should the consequence be for what he did? And what will he do to avoid that outcome? And the big question for me We've seen that this president will put himself before any principle of good government. Will those defending him now continue to put him before everything else as well? That's my argument. Now, the Trump defenders, you've got to see what's coming your way. The reports out of this hearing and others. I got a bolo for you. You got to be looking out for a scapegoat. Why? I'll tell you next. Bolo, be on the lookout for a scapegoat. I asked Congressman Stewart about pushing Vindman on the whistleblower because we're told a shouting match erupted with the Democrats today in that Vindman deposition, accusing Republicans of just that. They keep doing this, and so does Trump. Show the tweet. Why? Because the facts are damning. The furor about process, the whistleblower attacking Colonel Vindman, see it for what it is and get ready for more. Bolo. Thank you for watching. CNN Tonight with D. Lemon starts right now. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash call me country. Max subscription required.